Welcome to Whispering Loudly, the award-winning workshop whisperer podcast as featured by Apple with Rachel Evans, the number one automotive business coach in the aftermarket. Thanks to platinum sponsor Podium, titanium sponsor Mechanic Desk and diamond sponsor Ventivid. We're with Anthony today. He's got a very impressive bio. He was appointed general manager of marketing of Burson Trade in November 2019 and is responsible for all aspects of the market function of the Burson Trade business. Anthony has a trade background that branched out into mechanical and operations engineering, solutions, business development and sales management. Over 25 years of experience in the automotive, industrial, mining and road transport industries led to a 14-year career with Caltex that focused on leading the automotive sector and implementing OEM and dealership sales programs that delivered significant growth and the number one market position for Caltex. Wow, Anthony, thank you so much for joining the Workshop Whisperer today. No problem. I'm glad I can be a part of it. I feel privileged to uh, receive the call from Rachel. So looking forward to the next 20 minutes or so. Anthony Hughes, you make me blush. (laughs) Thanks thanks so much for coming on. Uh, It's great to be able to connect with you while we're all practising our uh, interstate and local social distancing measures. So uh, it's so good to have you on. Let's jump right in. And uh, how about you tell our Whispering Loudly listeners a bit about yourself? We've just uh, heard your bio, but give us a bit of background on how you came to be the General Manager of Marketing for Burson. Mm, Sort of a long story. I'll, I'll keep it a little bit short. Like most people in the automotive, aftermarket of the automotive industry, I've got a trade background, but it's not a traditional mechanic background that many people have. I was actually a maintenance fitter at a manufacturing plant. It was a really good role, and I got a lot of freedom with what I did, so I learned a lot while I was there. Best decision I ever made was was to get a trade. Um, I took on a lot of project work there at this company, and as a result, they gave me a heap of educational opportunities. So I I sort of got into engineering, uh, mechanical uh, manufacturing, and then I did a, a bit of a long stint at uni at nights, about nine years, and um, wow. that got me into operations and, and business management. Then I got into the land of oil. I started with mobile, actually, um, a bit of an incestuous industry like many from, yeah. from mobile into Caltex. Uh, my first gig was with, in oil was with uh, our Aussie car manufacturers, so I was tasked with going in and finding uh, efficiencies in their manufacturing plants related to uh, oil and, and fluid management. So I'd go in there and and have a look at their operation and and work out how they could save money, how they could use less oil. It was a really, really cool gig and and it got me me really uh, inspired with how the petrochemical industry works. I stayed in there obviously for for a lot of years. Um, I switched camps then and I went to Caltex where, as you mentioned, I spent 14 years. It was mainly fluid management, but I got exposure to a lot of different segments, as you mentioned, mining, industrial, power generation, road transport. And um, that sort of opened my eyes as to um, how fuel lubricants are used in many, many industries. I got into sales after that. So it was more uh, sort of uh, engineering previously, and I got into sales. It it started with fuel and lubricant sales. So I repped for a while, transitioned into things like key account management, business development, and then I was lucky enough to get the gig where I finished with Caltex, which was managing a, a very successful team selling lubricants to OEMs and uh, some of the largest dealership groups in the country. And then I moved to Burson. And many people at Burson say I came to my senses moving out of OEM and into <laughs> aftermarket. Yep. I, I tend to agree. I uh, spent my first couple of years managing sales and marketing function at Burson. 
uh, we then decided it was it was better to split the roles so that we could accelerate both parts of the business, the sales and the, and the marketing, and, and have a, a single point of focus. It worked for me. I really enjoy the marketing. I, I'd spent a fair bit of time performing you know, pseudo-marketing functions in the oil industry, and um, I'm really wrapped that I've, I've got it now as my primary focus. Brilliant. So tell us a bit more about Burson Automotive itself. What do you think has led to them being so prolific in the auto aftermarket? I reckon there's a few reasons for that. I'm a bit biased towards Burson, obviously, but um, <laughs> I, I think that the first part is, and the, well, one of the most important parts is, uh, is scale. I think that's one of the key factors of why Burson is so prolific. You know, we, we've got 186 stores now. We've got more on the way. Yeah, there's not too many customers that we can't service around Oz. We've, we've got really good coverage there. So quantity of stores, obvious first call. I think that our primary focus being the trade and workshop customers is really important as well. I think that is really strong in, in the way that we're prolific in the aftermarket. So in saying that, our, our operation, 100% of our operation, you know, our 750 delivery vehicles, nearly 190 stores, it's geared for the trade and the yeah. trade only. So our branch locations are in areas where, where it suits the trade customers. Our product range is, is set up so that it services workshops and mechanics needs. Yeah. Our people, our people are, um, you know, they're trade people. We, we hire a lot of parts interpreters. We've got people that know about, about parts. They love cars and um, they know what makes them kick and um, they love working with our customers and understanding what their needs are. Yeah, and being so geared toward the trade, I, uh, you know, recall specifically in my former workshop, there was nothing more disappointing and infuriating when you may have purchased a part from another retailer only to discover that retailer then put that part on at the same price for the general public. Being so focused on the trade was, I remember vividly what we loved about Burson when uh, when I owned my workshop. So I'd have to agree with you there. I think that's fantastic. So the past few months, Anthony, they've taken us all by surprise with many uh, workshops, you know, having taken a hit to revenue. From your position, how do you think the aftermarket has fared in Australia since COVID-19 broke out? Yeah, COVID-19, what a... Excuse my language, what a pain in the ass. Yeah? Yes. It's, um, it was one of those things. It, it, it's bad enough as it is, let alone dropping on us all by surprise. You know, really, really tough situation. So I think it was amazing what we saw in the, in the automotive aftermarket. It was, um, yeah, we could tell everyone was under pressure mm. and that there were a lot of people feeling some pain. But I think that everyone dealt with it quite well. You know, there, there were some people that dealt with it better than others, but, but on the whole, Everyone just knuckled down and really tried to keep their businesses open and operating as well as they could. Yeah, I think that um, yeah, we've seen a few surveys come out from from AAA, and um, there's been a lot of research on COVID and, and how it impacted the, everyone's business. And, and obviously, there was a little bit of a downturn there, and consumer confidence was a little bit off, and mm. and uh, a lot of people didn't service their cars. But I think one of the things that not took me by surprise, I was really sort of proud of with the automotive aftermarket in our industry was the amount of positive sentiment yeah. towards the future and, and the fact that it was a um, scenario that we're all just going to have to deal with mm. and that uh, we're all going to deal with it as best as we can. Yeah. And um, the future is still very, very bright in our industry. And I think that you know, many of the workshops and, and you know, suppliers and people in the automotive aftermarket industry saw it that way and see it that way now. Yeah. I think it's really impressive the, the way that you know, everyone has sort of got over most of it for now, most of COVID for what, mm. we, what we know is the stage we're in. And then looking towards the future and um, you know, getting our businesses back open and running, running full tilt again and um, satisfying our customers. 
Yeah, and with new car sales continuing to be in decline and be so low, there really is a lot of uh, opportunity and optimism for our aftermarket workshops, you know, coming out of this. Would you agree with that? Totally. Yeah. It's going to be, a, I don't know if the right word is legacy, but it, it's, it's going to be um, something that's ongoing with new car sales. I mean, that, that's not going to rebound quickly mm. and uh, it's going to take a long time. So many more cars in, you know, right in the sweet spot of the automotive aftermarket, you know, just around the end of the warranty period servicing through the aftermarket, not through OEM. So you know, I think it does provide opportunities um, yeah. for the aftermarket. Take a smoke out and review us on your Apple Podcast app or wherever you listen. In terms of Burson specifically, um, how were you able to uh, help your trade customers during this time that we've been experiencing with COVID? It was really interesting. I mean, we're all taken by surprise. And you know, the, the first week was a bit of a uh, a blur, I think, for, yeah. for everybody. But I think that enabled us to understand that you know, we're conscious that workshops were under a lot of pressure. People's businesses were facing a really tough time. It's people's livelihoods. It's not just a – we don't look at it as just a business. We look at our, our workshop customers as, as partners of ours. You know, it was really tough. I think the main thing is our, our teams, we were out there for our customers. You know, regular communication. We, we just wanted to make sure that our customers, their families, that everything was – as okay as what it could be and mm. that we could assist where, wherever we could to help their businesses. Yeah. Because many, many stayed operating over that over those couple of months, you know, mm. and, and as I said before, the, the, their workloads varied. We just wanted to make sure we were there for them. So, so we kept all our stores open and they were, they were um, operating with the same operating hours as what we always did. And some of them were, were doing um, special deliveries where we could and where required with, with social distancing, of course. Mm. So, so we were there for them. We partnered up with, with some of the uh, or some of the industry partners. I know a lot of the suppliers did. There are a couple who produced some special videos, especially yeah. early in the piece. We were all a bit confused, just just to give people an idea of what workshops could do to uh, to make sure that everyone stayed safe, so the workshops stay safe and their customers stay safe as well. Um, we also gave some pretty specific instructions to our uh, to our accounts team to make sure that yeah you know, that they were aware when handling payments and things. That it's a pretty heavy situation, and, and we've got to give a little bit of leeway there. So. So on a number of fronts, we tried to understand where our customers' pressures were and try to help them as much as we could. Yeah, fantastic. And I know that in the uh, the first month or so, there started to be a real panic around uh, whether supply lines would dry up for particular parts, mm. uh, especially coming from China. But I did notice that you guys were quick to reassure the aftermarket that uh, you were confident that there didn't need to be any panic buying like uh, there was with toilet paper that uh, yep. that our uh, supplies uh, supply lines were safe. Yeah, I, I don't um, recall in any of the meetings that we had any stock outages or any significant stock outages. So yeah, our, our team in the back end did really well and our suppliers did really well to make sure that um, we all understood you know, where the pressure points would be and, and, and whether there was any quick action that we needed to take. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I agree. Join our free Facebook group, Your Profitable Auto Repair Shop, and join in on the conversation with auto repair shop owners just like you globally. If I'm a, a workshop out there who's a listener of the podcast and uh, I've been using somebody else as my main supplier of our everyday parts for the workshop or I'm just coming into the industry, what's the best way to get set up with a trade account? The best way to get set up with a trade account is to call the Burson 1300 number and that will be directed straight through to your local Burson store, the Burson store closest to you. Um, Have a chat to the team there, to either the manager or someone in the store. Talk to them about your business. Let them um, 
understand what you do, what your needs are, what parts you require, and um, we can get a manager or a rep out there to have a bit of a chat to the business and, and um, streamline and offer and make sure we understand what your needs are before we set you up. And we, we can set up a trade account very, very quickly and, um, and start supply uh, as soon as it's required of the customer. So it, it's a very easy process for us to do that. Wonderful. Very quick. Well, Anthony, it has uh, been a pleasure having you on Whispering Loudly today. Thank you so much uh, for taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, share your background and your insights with us about the aftermarket. Thank you very much to you as well. It's been a pleasure. And if you would like any questions about your auto repair shop answered on one of our Whispering Loudly episodes, then please send us an email to admin at workshopwhisperer.com with the subject line Workshop Whispers and we will answer your question in one of our upcoming episodes. Have a great week. Thanks for tuning in to Tune Up Your Auto Repair Shop with Whispering Loudly, the Workshop Whisperer podcast. Want to find out how the Workshop Whisperer team can put your auto repair shop on the path to business success? Head to www.workshopwhisperer.com slash whisperingloudly to claim your free workshop success session with the team.